Welcome back to Finding New Films. My name's Hunter Harris. I am the host of the show. And today, I don't have anyone with me. I, I'm i doing this alone today. Um, this was not necessarily planned. Um, but as it went along, it became planned. Um, and not only are we reviewing Lost in Translation today, we are also doing a backdoor pilot for the new show, self-tapes, FNF self-tapes. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a new show that features just me. Um, it's going to be the exact same format as Finding New Films, but just me. And I'm on the other side this time. I'm on the other side of the table. I normally sit right there, but not today. <laughs> um, so we're going to enjoy the same... We're going to enjoy films in the same exact way that we do on Finding New Films. But we're just going to do it just me and you. Just me and you. So... Whether you like that or not, um, that's to be seen. But, uh, yeah, just come on this ride with me because um, it should be fun. I think there's a loop-de-loop. But anyways, we're going to go ahead and get into Lost in Translation. Um, there's a little announcement about another series that we're spinning off from Finding New Films. Um, that is going to be at the end of the show. Stick around for that or just click the cards at the bottom you can find the end of the show pretty quickly anyways uh, we're gonna get into lost in translation um lost in translation came out in september of 2003 uh the runtime for it was about 103 minutes it was written and directed by sofia coppola it was edited by sarah flack and music done very sparingly by kevin shields and the camera work was done by Lance Acord, uh, served as a director of photography on this role. So, uh, little little team of cameras on this one. Um, we got Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson as the stars of the film, and I really don't know that anybody else stands out enough to have their name up here, except for maybe Anna Faris. Her role is a bit, she has a very bit role, but she she does a damn good job. But anyways, uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read the plot so that we're all on the same page. So, Lost in Translation is as follows. Bob Harris is a, a American movie star who arrives in Tokyo to appear in a lucrative advertisement for Centauri Whiskey. He stays at the upscale Park Hyatt Tokyo and is miserable due to problems within his 25-year marriage and a midlife crisis. Charlotte, another American staying at the hotel, is a young Yale graduate in philosophy who is accompanying her husband while John, uh, while her husband John. Oh, okay, hold on. Charlotte, another American staying at the hotel is a young Yale graduate in philosophy who is accompanying her husband, John, while he works as a celebrity photographer. I cannot read. 
Okay, Charlotte is feeling similarly disenchanted as she questions her marriage and is anxious about her future. They both struggle with additional bouts of jet lag and culture shock in Tokyo and pass the time loitering around the hotel. Charlotte is repelled by a vacuous Hollywood actress named Kelly who is also uh, at the hotel promoting a film. She bumps into Charlotte and John gushing over photography sessions that she had previously done with them. Bob and Charlotte frequently cross paths in the hotel and eventually introduce themselves to one another at the hotel bar. After several encounters when John is on the assignment in Tokyo, Charlotte invites Bob to the city to meet some local friends. They bond over an evening in Tokyo where they experience the city nightlife together. In the days that follow, Bob and Charlotte spend more time together and their friendship strengthens. One night, uh, while neither can sleep, the two share an intimate conversation about Charlotte's personal uncertainties and their married lives. Bob spends the night with a jazz singer from the hotel on a penultimate night of his stay, and Charlotte overhears the woman singing in Bob's room the next morning, leading to tension between Bob and Charlotte during the lunch together later that day. The pair re-encounter each other in the evening, and Bob reveals that he will be leaving Tokyo following day. Um, Bob and Charlotte reconcile and express how they will miss each other, making a final visit to the hotel bar. The next morning, when Bob is leaving the hotel, he and Charlotte share sincere but unsatisfactory goodbyes. On Bob's taxi ride to the airport, he sees Charlotte on a crowded street, stops the car, and walks to her. He then embraces her and whispers something into her ear. The two share a kiss and say goodbye before Bob departs. And that is Lost in Translation. And that's basically it. Um, they left out, you know, some some little details. But other than that, that's basically it. Um, I'm going to read the themes now. Uh, ahead of the getting into my thoughts. Because I started thinking about it recently. And it doesn't make a lot of sense to do the themes once we've gotten all of our thoughts out. So... Uh, go ahead. Gonna go ahead and read the themes now. Um, so I've got loneliness as a destructive force, isolation and its hazards, uh, an identity crisis, beauty of simplicity. I have communication, verbal and nonverbal. Companionship is salvation. Uh, desire to escape, disillusionment, facing reality, fate and free will, losing hope, lost love, sacrifice for love. Uh, power of silence, self-awareness, vanity is downfall, wisdom of experience, and youth and beauty. Um, so, I want to explain the communication, verbal and non-verbal thing. Um, obviously, they're going to be communicating verbally because uh, they're, you know, human beings and they're not, you know, deaf or blind. Actually, blind people speak, so that was pretty dumb of me to even say. But nevertheless, um, I really the, the there is an emphasis on communication in this movie. Um, whether it be Bob and his wife, Bob with Charlotte, Charlotte with her husband, um, Charlotte with Kelly. The verbal and non-verbal communication play such a big factor in this movie, and I feel like it's uh, one of the bigger, bigger themes in the movie. Um, 
along with facing reality and um, probably power of silence. This movie is very quiet. Um, it's just a very, very quaint movie. Uh, you really just feel like you're just on vacation with these people, sitting in the room with them. And that can feel cool sometimes the way that the, the way that the movie is written and the way that it kind of flows because there is a very much of flowy kind of uh feeling to the movie you kind of just um disintegrate into the next scene even though it's a jump cut you really just feel like okay well i'm here now um and not in a wait where am i type of here in more of a um I guess we're here now, <laughs> type of thing. Uh, this movie has a heavy sense of apathy as well. I don't think I had that in the themes, but a uh, big, heavy sense of apathy. Um, and I that carelessness starts to get out to the, the audience a little bit, I feel like. Um, just being someone watching the movie, you just, you kind of find yourself being like, yeah. I guess we'll just do that now. <laughs> like, the movie wasn't made lazily, but it's a lazy movie, if that makes any sense. Like, it's a movie featuring laziness and lazy people and more apathy than laziness, but laziness is more of a common term. But yeah, they're just, like, apathetic um towards their both of them are apathetic towards their situations and like this couldn't be more um better highlighted more better highlighted this couldn't have been better highlighted um this couldn't have been better highlighted than the one scene with bill murray and in scarlet where they're laying on the bed and they're just talking about her life and how she feels like she's lost. And she asks Bill something along the lines of, you know, does it ever get easier? I'm pretty sure is what she asked. And Bill goes, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I thought the line delivery was really good. But um, I thought at the same time, um how that conversation continues and how it becomes really more about how like he's giving her advice and like telling her that everything will be okay basically he's giving her pretty good advice i feel like and then he goes down to the bar gets with jazz singer takes her upstairs and i think that may be that night or the next night i'm not exactly clear on that but, you know, it kind of just demonstrates to Charlotte exactly, it demonstrates that he really meant no. Like, does it get easier? No. It doesn't. It, it, it just doesn't. And that, that was the, uh, that was really powerful to me. And that kind of goes back to the non-spoken communication of them, of her understanding that, um, but, you know, he's basically betraying his wife, his kids, everything. Everything that he just told her is like, you know, if you just hold on to that, it'll be all right. <laughs> and then he goes and completely contradicts that 
and I couldn't imagine what she feels like. And that's that causes the tension on the lunch the next day as well, or the day after he's slept with the jazz singer. But it's it was so it was so powerfully done, and it was quiet. It was like silent. Nobody had to scream at each other. She, I think, Scarlett made one offhand remark, like at least she's closer to your age or something along those lines. But um, I thought it was, I thought it was really well done, really well crafted, uh, and they just played into the further really well crafted movie that that Lost in Translation was. Um, but I'm gonna read some of these bullet points that I've got. I did find it weird that the first shot was a lingering shot of Scarlett Johansson's ass for like 15 seconds. Don't know what that was really supposed to do for me. Um, yeah, I could have gone without that, I think. Uh, the, the, the opening song they played with Bill Murray's character while they were introducing Bill Murray's character was really cool. All of the music in this all of the needle drop songs in this movie were really cool even though they're not like i've never heard of any of these songs but they're all really cool <laughs> uh so good good to the whoever picked those songs um <laughs> when uh when bill murray first gets to the hotel and he's just sitting there like taking a drink and stuff and the uh the citizens that was stupid i shouldn't have said that but like the two japanese people <laughs> that are sitting across from him are like no nah, i can't be him there's no way he looks like a sad sack of shit i don't even know if they were japanese guys at this point i'm starting to second guess myself no matter the two people sitting across from him talking about him like he was an inanimate object I love the framing of it, and that kind of, again, goes to the subtlety of this movie, of, like, you just see him, and then the frame just slightly widens, and you just see the very family guy tactic, but, <laughs> but, uh, you, you have your subject pan out, and you have a bigger picture, and it causes uh, an irony, and, um, I thought that was really well crafted as well, um, a good a good representation of the culture shock was the uh the way that they were filming the commercial i thought that was done in a way that was it was all right i, I don't i don't know i don't know how to feel about a lot of this stuff in this movie to be honest with you i will say I'll pat it on the back slightly, very slightly, for um, displaying, like, Japanese alt culture. Alt, A-L-T, culture. Um, just like, you know, I feel like a lot of times when people try to portray Japan in film and Japanese people in film, I feel like a lot of times they trivialize the fuck out of them see Austin Powers, see basically any movie that made by Westerners that features Japan, and they kind of just make Japan out to be this absurdist nation that 
and that they don't understand in any way when we have such an influence on the at least the, the capitalism part um it's it's such an odd thing to always have to gauge in film whenever you see japan on film because it's always it feels like it's always being done wrong and i just don't know this is just me speaking out of ignorance i probably shouldn't do that so i'm gonna stop it right here but there was some stuff in this movie like the l and the r stuff and then just some general mocking from bill murray's character and really only him that i was just like well, actually, that's not even true, because Scarlett Johansson's character asks, like, why do they mix them up? It's just ignorant, man. I don't know. That that that, that stuff was just kind of ignorant for me. Um, and it kind of just took away from the story, because I don't feel like that has anything to do with the story. But I'm going to just stop there because I don't have any authority to speak on any of this. So we're going to move on from that. Just kind of made me feel weird. Charlotte has shit friends. Um, She called her one friend and was like ready to be like, I don't know if I married the right person. And like her friend just got distracted. I don't care if you have fucking kids what you're going like i don't care what you have going on if i'm like hey i think i've made a horrible decision about my entire life course one of my friends was just like oh sorry what did you say i would just like you know want to not exist anymore i would you know <laughs> you can empathize I can empathize a lot with that character that aspect of it of being like well that would fucking suck like just calling your friends and they just have no they don't want to pay attention to you at all yeah her friends might be half the reason that she's with that guy she feels so insecure i don't know but uh <laughs> i thought the toast tub wasn't a planned thing and it still couldn't it still could like very well be a uh not planned thing but it just like the way that the scene played out when she, when Charlotte stubs her toe, um, and then you sit there in silence and she's just like, "Ow!" After like five seconds, I thought it was pretty funny. I really liked the way that they um, filmed the the hotel room scenes for Charlotte too. I mean, the hotel room seemed so big, even though we all know those hotel rooms are small. It kind of sold the hotel room as being like pretty damn big, honestly. Um, and I don't know if they're using like anamorphic lenses to do that, or if they're using like, uh, just like, um, perspective stuff. I'm not sure, like small props maybe or something like that. But I, nevertheless, works paid off really well. Um, yeah, thought it was cool. Um, this movie is really, really good at, like, um, putting into perspective what it's like to lay around. Just like, I guess, depression. 
this movie this movie really does capture a feeling of like depression or depressive thoughts or depressive actions following depressive thoughts um yeah and then kind of using each other as therapists but I don't know that either of them talking to each other is a benefit <laughs> to one another um kind of going back to the you know the infidelity stuff <laughs> I don't like I don't know that Charlotte should be taking Bob's advice and vice versa I don't know that either of them are very good people you know at heart um I want to get into that thought specifically a little bit later actually I think I'm going to use that I'm going to wait for that on like the very like towards the list part um but I I want to get into that a little bit later. Um, and Sofia Coppola's ability to write dialogue that isn't long-winded and yet tells you a lot about the characters, thoughts, feelings, emotions, um, attitude. I, I feel like it's it was really 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 well done. And the the script I imagine is really short, like as far as actually what's in the script. Um, or at least the lines, like the screenplay is probably kind of short, but I don't know. It, it just, there's, there was so little speaking. And if you just look into what they're saying, they say so much. I don't have any specific examples, but, um, there was a lot of instances in this movie where I found myself being like, wow, that was really clever, how that was written. I mean, I think I said it earlier with the, the jazz singer about how she was like, well, at least she's a little bit closer to your age. Because, like, they both knew that they were, like, on the verge of fucking. I feel like, like, I feel like they both knew they were, like, on the edge of fucking, and just Bob wouldn't do it for some reason. Um... Who knows? I, I, I'm still kind of wondering that. It's like, why? Where does his decency like begin and end? Like, why is he okay with it when it's the jazz, uh, singer, but he's not okay with it when it's the, when it's the 25 year old in a sham marriage? I just don't get it. He's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta get the marriage and you gotta learn. It's like, for what? I need to be miserable for five years before I'm able to commit infidelity. It just reads weird. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave that there because I've talked about that a little too much. But anyway, <laughs> um, that stripper scene with the where the stripper got sent by Mr. Mazu, uh, I don't even know if he did actually send her, but that was weird. I, that was just a really, really, really weird scene. Um, I can't, I don't have any thoughts for that scene. I just think it's weird. Uh, I have this quote where he says a ring-a-ding-ding. -ding. <laughs> I gotta, I really gotta start contextualizing some of these quotes I put in here. I, <laughs> I have no idea what that's talking about now. 
but yeah ring-a-ding-ding is in here um the scene the picture scene is really awkward um where they're trying to get him to take the picture and they keep asking for different emotions but like he won't just do the emotion they're asking for he's trying to like clarify what they're saying when they're being pretty clear about like they're saying pretty general emotions and they're just being like oh james bond and he's like james bond drink martinis like dude <sighs> that was that, that seems kind of unbearable for me that was the if there is one scene i feel like could get cut from this movie that was in the movie it's that scene it just did nothing for me um it, it was just another scene to root like oh western westerners are different than easterners and that's like they made that pretty clear i i feel like they made that pretty damn clear oh, and i don't know i could i could have done without it nevertheless uh the scene the next scene with the elliptical where the elliptical had like a setting and he couldn't turn it off that was pretty funny and his legs were just going that was pretty funny. Um, Anna Ferris exclamation point is my next <laughs> bullet point here. Uh, she did really good in this movie. I thought for what she was given, she was given this role of being like a annoying ass actress who's like so PC and just to the nth degree, everything. They walk past the bar at one point. She's trying to sing. She's completely out of key. Just stuff like that. Really good character work from her part. Because she, you, you don't know. You wouldn't know that it's Anna Ferris Unless someone pointed and said, hey, that's Anna Ferris." You're like, oh yeah, that's Anna Ferris." Anyway. Um, I have God that scene with her was brutal. The scene where she first meets... Uh, Charlotte and meets John again. Uh, that shit was horrid. I don't mean that in like uh, the scene was bad. The scene was very good. But it's that thing of like if you've ever been with a um, with a current partner and you run into an ex of theirs just really 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 awkward and weird almost like they're flirting but like they forget that you're there and then they start overcompensating towards it's just weird it's a weird ass situation and it was boiled my blood <laughs> got under my skin a little bit but um yeah that that's all i had to say about that uh the first time Charlotte and Bob speak is 33 minutes in the, into the movie. I made a point to note that uh, for some reason. Uh, um, I thought this movie is refreshing where it is two intelligent characters talking about intelligent things because the writer is actually intelligent. <laughs> the writer writing the film has a little bit of culture and, uh, you know, her father is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. So you could pretty much guess that she's got a pretty good understanding of film at the very least. Uh, 
and I don't know, she's, she came off really smart after this movie. Uh, you know, whether or not she actually is a smart person or not, I have no clue, but, you know, who knows? Um, I've never met her. Maybe I will. If I ever meet her, I'll let you guys know. But, uh, I have to set the breakup real quick. I'm gonna be right back. I think I'm gonna go get some water. Um, because I'm parched. Never had to talk this much, like, ever. But anyway, I did this to myself, so I can't complain. <laughs> Alrighty, well, we'll be back with self-tapes after this break. Thank you. Archie Doki. Welcome back to part two of the Lost in Translation episode of the Backdoor Pilot episode of <laughs> self-tapes. Uh, which is a spinoff of Finding New Films. Not a mouthful at all, guys. Not a mouthful at all. <clears throat> Just living it up. Just living it up. Make Finding New Films. Doing my thing. <laughs> I don't even know what that was about. Anyway, uh, so... The... Uh, next point that I had after the intelligent writer writing intelligent people in an intelligent movie. <laughs> uh, after that, I have actor playing her husband is very good at being a douchebag. That's about it. Yeah, he's really good at being a douche. Um, I remember seeing that guy in A Million Ways to Die in the West. And... He's in Ted. He's the weird-ass guy that attacks Ted, the teddy bear. Yeah. I'm big friends with Seth MacFarlane, it seems. But, um, nevertheless, he was really good in this movie, and I think his name is Giovanni Ribisi, his real name. I don't know why I just remembered that. But nevertheless, that's his name, and he did a really good job playing douchebag boyfriend, John. Um, I love the I already talked about the Japanese alt scene being put in there like uh, like just seeing like surfer dudes and just guys just people from the alt scene it's just fun it's just fun show people from the alt scene in like every culture you know not not just American culture they're not only Americans and Brits are like anti-government and anti-establishment and anti-tradition. Like, there, there are a lot of people out there. Anyway. The karaoke scene was fun. Um, it was really heartfelt as well. I thought it was, like, one of the best scenes in the movie. That was probably my favorite scene in the movie was all the karaoke scenes. Uh, dark photography was done really well. I just feel like... Um, just the way that that scene was just crafted with, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> just good. I liked it. Really good. Music was nice. The colors were nice. Um, and it was a really good contrast with how dark it was. And you could still very easily see the, the actors' expressions and how the music was making them feel. Um... It's just awesome. I really enjoyed that scene. Um, enjoy that Bob is a decent 
at least, man, at, at the very least, <laughs> um, taking Charlotte home and making sure she's safe was very a very decent thing to do. Uh, Loveless Marriage, that was really hard to hear him talk to his wife after he'd gotten drunk and taken Charlotte back to bed uh, to put her to sleep, not to do anything else. Um, and he was calling his wife, and he gets off the phone with her, and he just mumbles to himself, and he goes, that was a stupid idea. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. Definitely have called somebody uh, and been like, why well, should not have done that? Um, you live and you learn, right, Bob? We're both Harris's, right? You know? Anyway, uh, <laughs> great shot. Uh, that mountain shot where, um, when he was golfing was really, really cool. It was just really well framed. It was only like a 10 or 15 second. It was actually probably like a 30 second scene, but it was really nice. Just love that. Just thinking about that mountain right now. But anyway, um, not expecting to hear the sucking on my titties like you wanted me, calling me. Not expecting to hear that song in this movie. Uh, I popped me really good though. I laughed my ass off. <laughs> that that killed me. Um, yeah, that that was just really funny. Um, I, I did feel the movie started to drag towards the, like, hour 10, um, maybe even before that, near, like, the hour 10 mark, it started dragging, and this film is only 100 minutes, so that's not great. Uh, yeah, if you're keenly paying attention, and it's fine, I mean, it's not boring or anything, but... It did feel like, okay, we're like 20 minutes away from the movie being over and there's absolutely no conflict here. I'm starting to get upset. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder why I watched this. Um, and the conflict that does happen is super subtle and they barely even make it like a conflict. It's more of an emotional conflict than really anything and self-conflict is the whole conflict in the film. Um, yeah. More than it is with two people having conflict with one another, it's two people simultaneously having conflict within themselves and relating to it. Um, and that's the overall conflict of the movie because, like, if, if, there, if we're going to pinpoint any specific conflict, it's when he fucks the jazz... Uh, waitress and comes back and she's like oh so you fucked the jazz waitress like that's really it if we're gonna try to pinpoint like a something between them but they squash that a scene later maybe maybe two because they had the awkward lunch and that's really it <laughs> I mean really and then after that I think the day later uh, oh yeah but they like see each other and stuff and they're like well that sucked that lunch sucked and he goes yeah they may cook our food right they may just cook our own food what kind of shit is that but that was pretty that was a pretty funny joke um yeah i don't know 
And then it just kind of started to drag a little bit for me. I don't know why I just went on a big tangent before that, but anyways, movie did kind of drag. Uh, their conversation about uh, what to be and hopelessness is really well and carefully written. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't need to expand on that. I just feel like it was, it, it was really cool to have him be like. At first, he wanted to be apathetic, but he knew that he was, if he was apathetic in that moment when she's looking for like, she's actually doing like a soul searching. Um, the title of the book that she, she ended up buying. Um, I think the thing with that scene is that he didn't really, or not the scene, but like, you know, in that moment, Bob doesn't want to disparage how she feels by being like, uh, being a, like a nihilist. Um, or a pessimist, but at the same time, he does want to be realistic towards her and be like, you know, shit's not peaches and cream, but as you go along, it gets harder to swallow, um, whatever it is. And I don't know. I just feel like that was so real. I felt like that was really well done and got a, got the right message that they should have been trying to get off. I feel like it got off the right message that they were trying to get off. If that makes any sense, what I just said. I don't know if I just got off what I was trying to get off. <laughs> um, the Japanese Johnny Carson scene was really interesting. Again, just a lot of um, shock value to that scene more than anything. I don't know how to feel about it. Anyways, uh, my next point my next bullet point says infidelity exclamation point um i'm guessing that's when i saw in the movie that he fucked the jazz instructor or the jazz singer rather the the house singer um wanted to make a point that the colors are all really nice throughout the film um when a scene needs to be more sad or more um well, I guess every scene is sad. This scene is really good with blues. Um, most people are aware of, like, Wes Anderson's, like, really, really warm style of filmmaking. Like, everything is orange, brown, yellow, red. Um, this, was a, this was a step in the opposite, complete opposite direction of everything needs to get the color sucked out of it so that everything looks like it blends together looks bland it plays to the sadness of the overall film i thought it was really good um and it's done really well um because you can have that thought but it's, if it's not done well it, it doesn't really matter <laughs> but it is done well here so um hats off to the the crew uh achieving that color differential and stuff like that because it's not always easy and hats off to the crew because they need that they don't get noticed enough um and then this was one of the bigger points that i wanted to make earlier but i wanted to also save it for like this um this part i said i'm not sure how or why i'm supposed to empathize with either of them they in my mind are two people who can accept responsibility of for their own realities and that they've both created and their relationship is very childlike to me personally. Bob should know better as a 50-year-old man, and probably does. 
and that's kind of the biggest thing. If they're making a, um, a commentary on actors, you know, whining, good job. You did great. Because Bill Murray comes off as a whiner. He's an absolute whiner in this movie. Oh, I have to go to Japan for two weeks to film this commercial for two million dollars. There is, do you know how many scenarios have been set up that is like, would you suck dick for a million? And this guy is over there, you know, not testing his own sexuality. Just taking pictures with whiskey for two million dollars? It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> the type of shit I would do for two million dollars. But anyway, um it's 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 so whiny to me at certain points. Excuse me, but it's it's so whiny. And then for Charlotte and Scarlett's character, I'm more empathetic towards her because it kind of just feels like she got roped into something that she didn't realize she was roping herself into. But I don't even know why I feel that way because, like, she also chose that. She went to Yale. She fucking knows better. You know what I mean? And I guess that kind of goes back to the you can be however smart you want to be on paper, but, you know, common sense is still learned commonly. Um, and when you're not around common folk, you don't get a lot of common sense. So, um, you know, she, maybe she's always felt validated through academia. And now that that's over, she has no other way to feel validated other than through, you know, latching herself onto this ego maniac of a man that she's with. And I don't know. That's all me theorizing. I have no idea or any clue of... <laughs> I'm not clued into anything, but I don't know. That's just my honest opinion. It's really hard for me to empathize with the both of them for their actions during this whole movie, for their actions, you know... Or sorry, for their actions during this movie, for their thoughts during this movie their motivations for their actions. It just doesn't, none of it reads perfectly. Um, and I, you know, I think this movie goes out of its way to let you know beforehand, these people, these are troubled people, you know? Um, and they both, I, th I think they both know that they're fucked up and they both accepted that, but their apathy towards that fucked upness, you know, inside of them is more of why I don't seem to want to empathize with them, because if you don't want to care, why should I want to? And I'll leave that there, because I think that's enough. But that's just where I stand with that. Yeah. Um, but I do know right under, altogether, well-crafted movie, well-written dialogue, the cinematography was subtle, just like everything else, the color was used beautifully, uh, Sofia Coppola had an incredible vision for this movie, and it feels like she captured exactly what she wanted to capture, um, she was able to, um, do whatever she wanted to do, it felt like, on this movie, <laughs> even though she probably didn't get to do everything she wanted to do um and i just 
for if anything else, if anything for this movie, I would say perhaps just give them more to do. Um, you know, I, I can I can watch a lot of stuff, but watching two seemingly rich people complain on vacation while they're in Tokyo uh, is just one thing that is really hard for me to empathize with in any way. Um, seeing that golf course that he was on, it's just like, bruh, if you like golf that much, just <laughs> go to that golf course every day. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Not as hyperbole, but Jesus Christ. I mean, it was beautiful. Why would you not want to go see that, like, every day? Just go hiking. Go do something. I don't know. Man, now I sound like, uh, now I sound like I'm not empathetic towards depression, which I'm not trying to do that, because that's not true at all. Uh, I don't know. If you got all that money, it's hard for me to wonder, or it's, it's just even harder for me to picture why your life sucks. And you're two people who like each other and you're hanging out and yet like that's still not enough for the two of you i don't know i just don't understand the relationship i guess and i'm willing to accept that because i will never understand <laughs> the relationship between the two people so yeah that's probably it for that um and those are the that's the end of my thoughts too so um yeah, we're going to put this on the new list. Uh-oh. It's going on a brand new self-tapes list. Um, and that should be pretty fun because that, uh, it's always fun to start lists. It's always fun to start a new list. Let's get this full screen. Alrighty, so it's going to be number one no matter what, so we can go ahead and slap that in there if I can type. Alrighty, um, so my rating for this movie is... A 7.8! 7.8. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might be a little too high, but I, I'm willing to give it that. I thought the filmmaking aspect of it was really nice, and I thought it was, um, like, the artistic aspect of it was really nice. The acting was fine. I'm, it's the most likable Bill Murray's ever been, I think, on film, and he's not very likable in the movie. <laughs> Uh, so that's one, that's, that's something, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I may have gone a little too high. Starting to regret it already. I think I'm going to drop it, actually. I think I might drop it to, like, 7 point, uh, I'm going to drop it to 7.4, actually. I immediately disagreed with myself. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make this right on camera. It's a 7.4. I don't think it's a 7.5. 
and it shouldn't be that high over seven and a half. I don't think. Seven point four is a good. I feel good about that. <clears throat> yeah, I feel good about that. So that's going to be the first film to get rated on the self tapes and the new episode of self tapes. So this is going to come out as a finding new films episode. This will be uh, episode 21. You'll probably be able to see that. So this will be coming out Friday. Let me look at my schedule. This will be coming out on Friday, May the 26th, I think. Um, yes. May the 26th is today when you're watching this or you're probably watching maybe you're watching this after and that that's fine too I guess (laughs) I guess um but yeah so this upcoming Monday will be the first official episode because this is a backdoor pilot this will be the first official episode so you'll see this list next week but this will be a finding new film episode number 21 if that makes sense. So this is coming out on Friday as a Finding New Films episode to launch self-tapes, which is coming out this upcoming Monday, May the 29th. And the first movie you're getting for that is The Wrestler 2008 by Darren Aronofsky, a movie that I have wanted to see since hearing about it for a very long time. It's about like five months. (laughs) So about like five months, I've really wanted to see this movie. Um, like ever since I've gotten back into professional wrestling uh, after WrestleMania 2022. Oh, I am so excited for that. So uh, if you like wrestling, if you love pro wrestling or the movie The Wrestler, uh, join me next Monday or this upcoming Monday, May the 29th. The day I'm filming this is May the 12th. So I'm that's why I'm having such a hard time. But um, May the 29th, the Monday after this comes out, I will be um, I will be doing the wrestler. That'll be going on to this list, the self tapes list. So first episode of self tapes comes out May 29th for the wrestler 2008 by Darren Aronofsky, and then. The Friday after The Wrestler, we're going to have Zach um, with a K. <laughs> I was about to say his last name and completely blow his whole spot up. Uh, Zach with a K uh, is going to be back, and we're going to be watching a Scottish drama called Morvern Kalar, um, a film I had never heard of until he suggested it, um, and so we're going to watch it. Um we're going to continue our streak of watching films directed by women. Me and Zach with a K. Uh, not necessarily something we chose, but just something that happened. Um, we're definitely trying to not have straight, white, cis men be the the, the rule on, on directors and voices that we're trying to listen to and hear. So that's why I got a straight, white, cis woman. Um, I'm sure this would shaking it up a little bit. Um, but, uh, 
No, I, we're going to try and diversify the voices a little bit more because I'm trying to be a conscious person and I have the ability to do so. So I'm going to try my hardest to to be a, a change. That will be happening this next this upcoming Monday because I have to watch The Wrestler, but we'll we'll spread it out a little more and get that going because I, you know, I can do better. And I honestly, I need to hear other people's perspectives and it's very important to me at this point in my life, so. Yeah, moral fortitude. Alrighty. Um, I think that's it. So yeah, tune in this upcoming Monday. We're watching The Wrestler 2008. Tune in next Friday. We are watching Morvern Kalar 2002 by fucking somebody. Uh, uh, fuck. I think her name is Ramsey. I think her last name is Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey, I think. Anyways, if you missed it, last week we watched The Godfather on Finding New Films with my mom. I haven't even actually filmed that yet, but we watched it last week. As you're seeing this, we watched it last week. So go watch that. Watch us this upcoming Monday, next Friday, and all the times after that. Because you're not going to want to miss it. These are fun episodes, and I have fun doing them. I hope you enjoy them, uh, because I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, um, peace to all of you. I will see you soon. Go follow us on Instagram. <laughs> Go subscribe to us on YouTube. And that is it. That is actually truly it. Goodbye. Good night.